So one of these days, you're going to have a popcorn heist, and it's going to match the fact that we will be talking about pop culture. Yes. And it'll just snowball together in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. But I doubt this one is popcorn. No, it's not popcorn. But when that popcorn heist does show up, mm-hmm. I think that will help answer where that butter heist went back in the day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of butter. Do you know, I... I really like popcorn. This is an aside. I know you have a food heist. Okay. But I ordered a cool little thing on Amazon. You can get all sorts of cool things. And this was... <laughs> this episode brought to you by Amazon. No, just... I love living in the era where you can find weird stuff and have it delivered to your house. I do mm-hmm. this to my kids all the time. Find some weird thing <laughs> and be like, oh, glow-in-the-dark squishy balls that you throw at the ceiling and they stick there and then fall down. Great. I'm going to order those. Awesome. And then my kids will walk in and I'll be playing with them and they'll be like, dad, what is this? But I was able to get like a popcorn sampler of all the different types of popcorn that you can pop. Not like Mm. the flavored popcorns, but Mm -hmm. the different kinds of kernels. Like different kernels. Yeah. And it was really fun. Popcorn sampler for the true popcorn nerd. Yes. And so now I know the difference between the flavor of a blue popcorn and because I knew white versus yellow, right? Mm -hmm. But you can get blue and red. They taste very similar. And you can get little tiny whites that's really great because it pops and they're just they look so cute they're little bitty <laughs> popcorns and then you can get the giant mushroom popcorn they called it mm-hmm. which is what you usually get i think at a lot of theaters is the big that, mushroom that's what kernels. i bought mm-hmm. my wife and so that's what we eat at home yeah that one tends to produce a surprising quantity of the husks yes. at the bottom of the bowl lots of extra husks in that one man so did they have purple they did popcorn. the blue popcorn is Purplish. Purple? Oh, yeah. Okay. Pur- See, the blue yeah. and the red, the reason they taste the same is I think they're all kind of the same strain mm-hmm. going between this purplish blue and this reddish purple. Okay. But they taste a little bit like a white, but they, they have a, just a different flavor to them. It was it was cool. We'd pop them all up because it came in these little sampler bags. So we would make three different ones a night and try them all. Put the same amount of butter or whatever on them and see what they tasted like. So I do find it a little suspicious Mm -hmm. that you said one day you're going to hear about a huge popcorn heist and then you go off in full I love popcorn mode. All the fancy expensive popcorns. Yes. (laughs) When that happens. Yeah. Then we know Mm -hmm. that you've made your full heel turn as a supervillain. The rare golden popcorn that only one kernel of is produced a year and you have to save up for 80 years to get a full bowl (laughs) of the popcorn. Yeah. Yep. Do I need a popcorn-based magic system? Clearly. I've always joked that I need a salt-based one because Mm -hmm. I salt everything. Yeah. I like salty foods and this is something people find amusing about me. He has an entire cupboard in his kitchen, multiple shelves with every different kind of salt you can imagine. Right. And that's that's the version of getting a bunch of craft beers. So as an alcoholic, you look fancy, right? <laughs> like, I like all of those salts. But the truth is, if you just gave me regular table salt, like, I am salting my food an egregious amount, even with that. Mm-hmm. And so I can pretend that it's a hobby when really I'm just ruining my food with a overabundance of salt. Yeah. In Korea, when I lived there, you really can't get, you know, table salt's just not a thing in a lot mm-hmm. of countries, right? Yeah. And so I like to play things up and hand things up. So I got one of those giant Morton salt things and like the, you know, the, the ones you buy at like the supermarket or whatever, mm-hmm. the big round cardboard ones. I'm not talking about the little salt shakers, but yeah. an actual, The, the big like cylinder thing. Yes, the big cylinder thing. And I put that in my briefcase 
And so we would go out to eat with people and at strategic moments, I'd get out a giant thing of salt and set it on the table in front of me. It was, it was hilarious. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. I'm the guy who had, a, had salt in his briefcase. Not a salt shaker, but a giant. But a giant thing of salt. Giant, yeah. Isn't, isn't that kind of the function that soy sauce serves it in is. a lot of those cultures is? I need to salt this up. You know, it's also the function kind of the ketchup fulfills ketchup mm-hmm. uh at least the american strain of it is quite salty i mean it's salt vinegar and sugar with tomato mm-hmm. paste so it's a lot of different flavors so it's not just that but it is interesting that in some countries you just put parmesan and everything which is a very salty yeah. cheese or in others you put soy sauce on things or in others you put ketchup on things and there's a lot of add your own salt condiments around the world <laughs> That. Lots of salt and lots of umami in all of those things mm. as well. You know, before we get to the food heist, I know that we're, this is becoming the waiting for Godot food yeah. heist, but you mentioned glowing balls that you mm-hmm. throw at the ceiling and they stick yeah. there and uh-huh. then they fall down. Yeah. And because I know that Ben is going to ask about it, I do have to quickly tell the story. When we were freshmen uh-huh. in college and we lived in our little locker dorm thing, yes. Deseret Towers, we bought one of those. Okay. And we mm-hmm. threw it at the ceiling, and uh-huh. it's stuck there. And as far as I know, it is still there today. It would not come down. Over the course of the year, it fused <laughs> itself to that old asbestos ceiling. Mm. And, yeah, it was an eyeball specifically. So we okay. had a glow-in-the-dark eyeball, eyeball fused on to our ceiling that just watched over us all the time. I had, when I moved out of my house to go to college, my parents found a number of pencils stuck in the ceiling. Of my room. Now, my room was unfinished, and so they weren't sticking in the drywall. They were sticking in the plastic that goes over... Like the insulation? Insulation, yeah. A nice Mm -hmm. plastic casing so it wouldn't get... But I had to move into essentially the attic. It was a very nice attic, though. It was very large Mm -hmm. and spacious, and it was cool to be the kid who had the the attic. But um, I was in the habit of flipping pens and pencils then. Just a thing. I'd toss them up and catch them. And they would go too high and get lodged in the ceiling. And I would just leave them there because I was lazy. And so my mom sent me like a picture and there's like, she knew, but she was still, there were like 30 pens and pencils stuck in my ceiling. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) All right. So I know this may come as a surprise, but I have a food heist. Mm. You want to hear about it? I do. Okay. So this one, many different people sent this one to me. This is a guy who stole $15,000 worth of steak. From a steakhouse. $15,000? From a steakhouse? Yes. Okay, now this is different because normally they're going to the wholesaler or interrupting between Mm -hmm. wholesaler and restaurant. But here they've actually gone to the restaurant. They went to the restaurant. And so he actually uh, did this twice. And the first one, I kind of got to say, is on the restaurant because he applied for a job there. Which restaurant do we know? Um, The name of it is in here somewhere. Uncle Jack's. Okay. Uncle Jack's in Roswell, Georgia. Okay. So he applied for a job and he got hired. Mm-hmm. And then I think before he started or maybe at the end of his first day or something, there's video of him. The walk-in fridge mm-hmm. that they keep the meat in was actually outside of the building. Okay. And the like I've watched the video and mm-hmm. he's just kind of walks past realizes that this thing is there and unlocked and he puts his hood on you know a minute into the video 
Mm-hmm. And then he opens it up and he just clears it out. He takes all this steak and disappears. Okay. And they know exactly who it was. Like his face is clearly visible. They have since caught the guy. How do you unload a bunch of presumably not frozen? Maybe it was frozen, but I assume this is where they're aging the steaks before they serve them. They were all in boxes, and so I, oh. I doubt they were being aged. Okay. Then they yeah. were. Then they might have just been frozen I, steaks. I think they or were something. just the. I think it was a walk-in fridge rather than freezer, but yeah, they mm-hmm. might have been frozen. Either way, How do you he sell walks off a with bunch of steaks, thousands of dollars worth of like this you, stuff. Do you go to your local fence and they're like, "All right, what do you got? Jewelry? <laughs> no, I got steaks. I got steaks. They and need to be sold in the next hour <laughs> and then eaten because they might be going bad." And he took it says here boxes of Kobe and Wagyu beef. Okay, that of, stuff is expensive. Uh, Toahi tuna. And a what Uncle Jack's is apparently famous for something called a long bone, which is a it looks kind of like a ribeye or something yeah. with this enormous twenty inch long bone coming off of it, like a Flintstones cartoon. Okay, yeah. So he stole a bunch of that and then disappeared. And they're mm-hmm. like, "Well, crap, we know who he is." And they called the police and they put a bunch of locks all over their uh-huh. outdoor walk in. And then the next day, he came back with bolt cutters and cut it open and cleaned it out a second time. (laughs) So the first one, very much an attack of opportunity. Yes. The second one was absolutely a heist. Mm. He knew what he was doing. Yep. He He came back. And Uncle Jack's is kind of astonished that he got away with it twice. But got away with it. Got away. He has been caught on video. Yeah. So perhaps not not high in our echelon of. Of food heist criminals, the one who... He didn't make yeah. it far. He didn't mm-hmm. disappear into nothingness like the gnocchi robbers. Yeah, the, those great gnocchi robbers that will go down in history. <laughs> in history. In food heist history. Yeah, mm. so... How do you like your steak? How do I like my steak? Yeah. I like mine medium rare. Okay. It depends on how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have enjoyed rare all the way to tartare before. Okay. I don't love tartare. Every time I try it, I just don't get the appeal, but maybe over time it will acquire. I I, I like it in really small doses. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly rich. Mm -hmm. But, oh man, best steak I've ever had in my entire life was in Buenos Aires. Okay, yeah. Nobody does Argentina steaks. It's, Mm. It's so good. Best steak I've probably ever had was probably the Peter Luger Porterhouse in New York. Peter Lugers is one of these old famous restaurants. The thing about Mm -hmm. it is it's very hard when you go to a steakhouse like that to separate the enjoyment of being able to go to this famous steakhouse with your friends and family. I like the old New York steakhouse sort of thing where Mm -hmm. they'll be like, yeah, that chair's been there for 300 (laughs) years, right? A pilgrim sat in that chair. And that's really how they are. They don't like to change their decor. And your fancy, expensive waiter is basically just one of these guys like, like, yeah, what do you want? And uh, <laughs> it's great and yeah. good steak. But, you know, mm-hmm. this is this is an experience. I am of the opinion, maybe I would be proven wrong with the taste test, that the expensive steaks do taste better than the non-expensive steaks, just not commensurate to their price increase, Right. I yeah. think that a $100 steak, the ones I've had, do taste better than the $20 steaks. Just not... Just not $80 yeah, better. They're not five times yeah. as good or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. What's your favorite cut? My favorite cut, it's it's 
It's got to be a ribeye. Okay. Yeah. See, I and usually... again that that goes back to the South American ojo de bife. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I really like a good ribeye too, so I can't really complain. But I mm-hmm. would usually pick a New York. I like a firmer steak, just a little bit. The thing about a ribeye is it has like kind of two cuts as one. It does. Kind of, and I like the center portion of a ribeye a lot more than I like the really marbled exterior portion of a ribeye. So mm-hmm. I used to be one of those medium well people that gets gets an eye cocked at them. I've moved down to medium over time. I still kind of like both methods. It seems like if you're starting with a New York strip mm-hmm. and then asking for it medium well, mm-hmm. it, it's going to end up even more firm, even more tough. Yeah, well, definitely in New York, you don't want a New York. Yeah. Like, but it depends, right? Like some of my favorite not Peter Luger's experiences is when you go to like a churrascaria and you get that really charred on the outside, that mm-hmm. steak. And it's probably just that when you really char it, whatever marinate they've done for it or whatnot comes to yeah. extra potency. And so if you get that like quickly charred on the outside and then that part is like way over well done. It's just like, mm-hmm. uh, but then yeah. it's only been done a little bit. So the middle is more medium. That's some of my favorite ways to eat meat. Yeah, that's why a good medium mm-hmm. rare steak for me will always be better than pure rare or tartare because mm. you need to get that charred crust on the outside. And even if it's not a marinade, just butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely just butter. I really like. Depends on the on the type of of meat and stuff like that. I don't. I don't go for the gorgonzola sauces and things like that on Mm -hmm. my steaks. I I can do just straight up butter or you know nothing on a steak, salt and Mm -hmm. whatnot. But the gravest insult I've ever Mm -hmm. used was by accident when I was at some local steakhouse, like. Outback or okay. whatever the, the Utah one is. Utah's Ruby River. Ruby River. It's actually good. It was very good. Mm-hmm. But I was there with a work group yeah. back when I had a real job mm-hmm. and asked for a steak and it was way overcooked. They did a really bad job with it. And I asked for steak sauce and the guy's like, um, our steaks don't require steak sauce. And I said, well, this one definitely does. And then he, I, I could tell that I had offended him when I said mm-hmm. that. Well, that's uh, that's your purview. I know. I've had many a good steak at Ruby River, so I will yes. I will point out for your twenty dollars steak, <laughs> Ruby River is the best one in Utah that I've definitely. Had. If you want that, in fact, mm-hmm. if anyone is visiting Utah, go to Ruby River, get a steak, and then get the jacket potato. As jacket well, potato is, is a thing. It's that's the that's the stuff it's a right deep there. Deep fried baked potato, <laughs> battered and deep fried. Yep, they uh, bake it. Then they yeah. batter it and fry it. Yeah, it's a very Dan thing. And it's every bit as delicious as that makes it sound. Yeah. We talked about snobbery on one of our early ones. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you have any of that steak snobbery to you? Like when you hear that someone likes their meat well done. I am absolutely a steak snob. Mm-hmm. I am trying very hard to not judge people's food choices. Right. Because I have realized that the worst part about Food is if somebody else poops all over your preferences, mm-hmm. you know? And I like weird things. Everyone eats different food than other people. And so I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, you eat well-done steaks. Yeah. So, like uh, a monster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think it, but then I don't say it out loud. That's that's very good of you. I think we did discuss this on the podcast <laughs> once, so I won't go in too deep about that one. But yeah, it is It is one of those things. It's interesting. It's what I always kind of point out when I'm trying to explain uh, genre preferences and things like this. Like there's something about us that wants 
our preference to be the moral choice, not just the choice for us. And so if you can equate, you know, the way people get about their stakes is the way people get about their media preferences. Mm -hmm. And neither one often makes any sense. Yeah. Like, did, did we already talk about, like, the whole spectrum of fantasy? Yeah. You know, and wherever you are, mm-hmm. the stuff that is less weird and more, you know, Tolkien-esque. Yes, more market-friendly. Then you, you tend to look down on that. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you just like D&D campaign books. And then the stuff that is far more weird than yours, getting up mm-hmm. into the China Mieville... Right. You think, oh, well, that's unnecessarily weird. And wherever you are on that scale, mm-hmm. you think that you're the best choice and so that everyone else is either boring or It's that famous joke. I may have even shared it on the podcast where the joke about you're driving somewhere and everyone who passes you is a maniac going too fast. Anyone <laughs> who is slower than you is this road obstruction. We yep. get that way about religion too, right? Anybody who is more devout than us, well... That zealot needs to maybe uh, maybe <laughs> maybe cool a little bit. And anyone who's less devout, there's a tendency to be like those heathens. They need Jesus, yeah. right? So, yeah, which is definitely how I think about stakes as well. Friggin' heathens. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, someone in Roswell, Georgia, can try every kind of stake they want from and- prison. <laughs> from prison. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder wonder if they recovered the stakes. See, I didn't actually read the article. I just saw there was an article with his like mugshot and I'm like, "Okay, well they caught him." And it didn't even occur to me to like check on the stakes. Mm. You didn't think of those poor stakes. I didn't stakes? think of the poor gnocchi. Mm. Just hope that they're being treated well. Hey, so um can I gripe to you? Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. We're going to talk about League of Legends here. Okay. Now, I know that I have already said in the past that Blizzard stole one of their characters from me, right? And this is mostly a joke. I know they didn't actually steal it from me. Right. But in my cyberpunk series, the main character is Marisa. Mm -hmm. She is a Latina hacker with a mechanical left arm. Overwatch has... A, you know, several months later debuted their new character, which was yep. Sombra, the Latina hacker with a mechanical left arm. Yep. So in the second book of that series, second and third book, she's a recurring character. There's a new one named Renata. Renata, this book came out in like 2014, 2015, something like that. She is another Latina hacker, mechanical left arm. She lives in the criminal underworld and switches sides. She has Uh questionable loyalties, and she switches sides. Uh Her mechanical left arm, she can actually shoot people with it, Uh and it grabs them and holds them in place, and then she can trigger it to explode. Okay. And then also, on top of that, the primary kind of world-building element of the cyberpunk series is that everyone has little drones that float around behind them and Uh do stuff for you. Yep. So, the new Overwatch character... Announced a couple weeks ago, debuted like on Friday on the live server. Vaguely Latina woman named Renata, lives in the criminal underworld. Very shady loyalties. She switches sides and has an ability Mm -hmm. that makes other people switch sides. She has a mechanical left arm that shoots people and grabs hold of them and holds them in place and can be triggered to explode. And she has a drone that follows her around. Huh. Yeah, right? Right. So... So you're going to be collecting them royalties? No. (laughs) 
I actually took all of this to HarperCollins and said, what? And they're like, what? And then their lawyers looked at it and said, unless something else surfaces, I don't think we can do anything about this. So, yeah. I am generally of the opinion that it's like, yeah, you know, we don't want to stifle other people's creative impulses. Mm-hmm, uh, exactly. And everything is kind of a remix. Obviously, it is possible to go too far on that. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I've never run into something like this that has ever led me to want to even explore that far. Granted, I don't think I've had anything on the level that you have. Yeah. Well, and honestly, the ideal outcome for me is mm-hmm. not suing them or, mm-hmm. you know, attacking them over anything. If there is any connection there, mm-hmm. if there is something other than just parallel evolution, yeah. which we've talked about before and, and happens all the time, mm-hmm. you know, just make a skin based on my character. You wouldn't have to change any powers whatsoever. <laughs> she would be just like my character. Yeah, so there you go. Riot, make a skin from Wait, my book. You said you said Overwatch earlier. Overwatch is the Blizzard one. Yes. This was the new League of Legends you, you character. You called this one Overwatch as Oh, well. did I? I, I yeah. apologize. I was it's waiting the new, for League of Legends. It's the new in. League of Legends character, hmm. which just came out. She's actually a chemist rather than a hacker because it's a steampunk game. Right. But still, you know, she carries a gun and she's dressed in modern clothes and... They uh, invited me once to make a character. A really? Hero. Yes. Riot did? Riot did, yeah. Vaguely. Like, it was just like, hey, you want to come tour Riot Studios? Uh, if you're really interested, you could come up with a hero. You know, we could do some sort of collab thing. It didn't get farther than that. So it's not like there was a contract on the table. But okay. they did They did invite me to come out and uh, so do that. this invitation wasn't just after you had read my cyberpunk books. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was reading, reading Dan's cyberpunk books. I'm like, hey, guys, I got like, an idea. I have a great idea. Don't worry. I know this guy. Do you need a teenage sociopath? Totally steamroll him. Man, I can't even imagine John Cleaver in any game. Mm-hmm. Like his power is that he just hides in the shadows and watches things. Yep. And then when you're I don't about know. to die, he'll kill you. The indie horror game genre is full of how can we make a new sort of creepy thing to do? You know, and... John Cleaver would totally work in Dead by Daylight. Would he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. A monster who just looks like one of the other heroes, and so they don't know that it's him. Oh, okay. I get what you're that, saying. That's how yeah. I would do it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Which isn't true to the books necessarily, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to stick him in as a villain, which he's not. I mean, Crowley but... makes more sense. Yeah, but that's true. Regardless, yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. A dead by daylight monster that kills people and then steals their body parts and looks like them? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be great. How have they not done that yet? Because they uh, have been waiting for us to talk about it on this mm. podcast. So. Which I assume all game designers all game and designers must listen to yes. all the time. So we should talk about Arcane. Yeah. Speaking of League of Legends. Do you want to do that this week or do you want to warn people this week and do it next week? Let's mm-hmm. just talk about it. Okay. Have you watched everything or just the first three? I have watched the first three episodes. Okay. So, my story of coming to Arcane is, I think I've whinged about it on the podcast before. <laughs> Whenever something really cool and fantasy happens, mm-hmm. then I get a flood of social media suggestions and requests for me to do mine like this. 
right? Yeah. It's the, hey, look, this thing worked really well. You should go to them and have them make your thing sort of thing, which is very natural mm-hmm. for people to do. Yeah. But it makes me roll my eyes and be like, I don't want to look at thing. <laughs> I, am, I am annoyed by thing because. Yeah. Because everyone is now demanding yes. that I watch it. Remember back when that actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf video broke? Yes. My brother mm-hmm. called me on the phone. Yep. And demanded that I listen to it while he was on the phone with me so that I could laugh at how great it was mm-hmm. with him. And I hated it on principle. Yeah. I have an I'm... actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf shirt. That's awesome. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it is, my wife got it for me as a joke because I showed it to her and she just could not stop laughing. And so she got me, <laughs> it says Shia Surprise on it. Mm. And so, yeah. I did find someone statted out actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf in D&D 5 rules, huh? and I was going to use it in yeah. typecast one week and attack the players with it, but the Re- opportunity never came up. Regardless, I did eventually be like, all right, this is probably really good. I should watch this. It's only nine episodes. It's not like when people are saying, you need to go see Avatar. And I'm like, yes, it looks really good. It has four seasons of 20-something episodes. The chances that I can make the time for that are very slim. And so I told my wife, I'm like, let's watch Arcane. So we're going to talk Arcane episodes one, two, three. We're going to try to have no spoilers, except maybe Brandon's guesses um, (laughs) about Arcane four through nine. And we are going to put Arcane in the title of this video yes slash podcast and people are going to be so excited they're like oh brandon and dan are talking about arcane and then they have to sit through 25 minutes of us talking about steak <laughs> <laughs> well that's what our podcast that gives them the accurate representation <laughs> of our podcast if they run across this and whatever mm-hmm. lists and like ooh, a podcast about arcane they should be given we're showing instead of telling Yes. What type of podcast we are. We are accurately representing ourselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so I did watch the first three episodes, and okay. we are going to have spoilers for the first three episodes of Arcane. Okay, so the big question mm-hmm. is, first yes. of all, did those first three episodes overcome your inertial dislike of the show? So going into it, having decided to watch it, I abandoned the inertial dislike. Okay. I'm not going to bring that baggage to a show. Mm-hmm. I try not to operate in that way. It can prevent me from getting into something. Yeah. But if I'm going to give something a shake, if I'm going to give it my time, mm-hmm. I want it to have the full fair chance of doing a good job. So I just went into it willing to like it. If awesome. that makes sense. And, and did you? I did. I thought it was great. Hooray. Uh, I'd give it nine out of 10. Really great uh, show. Yeah. Now, my experience of watching Arcane was very different from yours. Yes. Because I have an actual amateur League of Legends team mm. that they all came and stayed at my house for a week and we watched it together. Okay. That is a very different. <laughs> so I have never played League of Legends. Mm-hmm. I am vaguely familiar with the MOBA archetype yeah and what it means because you played warcraft 3 all the time i played warcraft 3 based on that and i understand kind of what it is that you're doing i have had multiple people kindly use character names from my books as their monikers for going in league of legends so i could people Mm -hmm. be like hey we saw you know there's a cameo kind of (laughs) someone's named after kaladin and he's doing really well and stuff like that so that is basically all i know i know nothing about the world of League of Legends. No idea. Yeah. I had no idea any of the characters. 
of League of Legends or any of the heroes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have picked them out of a lineup for you. Yeah. I didn't know it was steampunk. So I went into it pretty blind. It's probably as blind as you can get as a person who consumes nerd media and has friends mm-hmm. who consume things yeah. like this. And in stark contrast to that, my friends and I spent the entire time annoyingly saying, oh, is that Warwick? Oh, is that this other character? Oh, is that an Easter egg? Yeah. To the point that we even annoyed ourselves. I'm glad I didn't watch it with you. No, you would have hated it. I just got to enjoy it. <laughs> so why would I give it a 9 instead of a 10? I don't think I give it a 10 until I've seen the full season okay. arc. That would be one thing. Number two is that there was some stock stuff. You kind of need some stock stuff, but, you know, they did a good job with them. But I have seen so many mutant potion power, like the yeah. big bad is, we, we're testing on this rat. Look what it does. So mm-hmm. many versions of that. And I don't know that this brought anything new to that table, despite using the trope well. And they yeah. did that a number of times. There were a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some of those like, oh, yet another Fagin who keeps his group of street rats and teaches them how to th- steal and stuff. Yeah. That kind of thing I can absolutely forgive because I think if you're trying to pull a general audience into your very weird steampunk yeah. world, some common touchstones are actually really useful. I would agree with that. In fact, it probably is a selling point. Like, I've done the same thing in my writings very Mm -hmm. deliberately at times. And so the other thing, this isn't a good or a bad, is that I wish that their thumbnail hadn't been the little blue-haired girl as an adult or older teen, Mm -hmm. right? Because that instantly told me, okay. Powder is going to grow up. Yes. Yeah. And so I spent the first three episodes waiting for the prologue to end. Mm. And so that actually wasn't bad because having some structure in mind is fun for me to figure things out and whatnot. But what it meant was that I didn't bond or attach as well as I probably would have otherwise to characters in this because I knew there was going to be a big time skip coming Mm -hmm. imminently. And the problem is if I'd known it was three episodes, I probably would have bonded. But waiting through the whole first episode, expecting the time jump to come probably at the end of episode one. I'm like, probably end of episode one. And then it wasn't. I'm like, mm. is it what? End of episode two? And then it was episode three, right? So yeah. I spent this whole time that's, wondering when the time jump That's would really interesting because I, and again, I, I, I didn't actually know anything about the show itself, what yeah. they were planning to convey until we watched it. But it never occurred to me that it would be a prologue. I was actually kind of expecting there to be maybe multiple sections and we got to watch them grow up over time rather Mm -hmm. than a single time jump. It's interesting that you went straight to prologue. It just felt very prologue-y is the thing. Mm -hmm. So much of it felt, and I could see the structure and they actually used the structure really well. I call this a selling point. Getting to the end of it and realizing it's three episodes kind of as a prologue, I like that structure. Mm -hmm. It's going to make me expect four through six to be a little bit more of a self-contained story and then seven, eight, and nine to be another kind of self-contained story to form a trilogy out of these things. That's now what I'm going to anticipate. But I wish that they'd not made that the thumbnail. As as overt in the thumbnail. Without spoiling anything for you, Mm -hmm. I will say that the end of episode three is the strongest ending 
of any of the episodes or any of the sections, okay. in, in my opinion, and I think in most people's. It, it, I mean, it was a very strong ending. Even expecting it to be a prologue, I didn't expect them to go as far as they did, right? I was expecting, so my, my guess was dad figure would die. That's very, you know. Like, there's no way to go into this kind of story and not expect that. Yes. The mentor has to die. The mentor cannot, but it's very expected. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't expect was blue hair girl legitimately screws up and legitimately <laughs> causes the death of all these people. Yeah. Uh, including two sidekick characters and the dad character where mm-hmm. it's her fault, but it's not. She's like, what, 12 or something like that. And so something like that. You can't blame a 12 year old, but yeah. legitimately just messed up entirely and screwed up everything that was really bold that it was bold Mm -hmm. and the way they did it where it was like really over the top yes Yes. powder has ruined everyone and Mm -hmm. killed two of her buddies yeah you said you didn't really bond with some of the characters i'm mostly talking about the two buddies were you expecting those two buddies i wasn't expecting them around to die i was expecting to stick around but i had assumed oh these are two other league of legend characters that they're showing like Mm -hmm. i assumed that the little boy who works in the junk dealer thing that Mm -hmm. has like i assumed he was a character like i assumed all of these kids were all characters that later on would be grown up heroes in league of legends Mm -hmm. so that's what i assumed okay nice so them dying is actually what they needed to have that screw up at the end be legitimately shocking shocking, and horrible and yeah because the dad was was gonna die i for a moment wondered if they'd kill the sister which i don't think anyone else would wonder because i assume the sister is a main character hero that you can play and so but for me, I'm like, oh, it'd be really audacious if they killed her instead of the mentor figure. And then the girl and the mentor figure have to bond over the loss of this other person, which mm-hmm. is a is a different take on that story. Yeah. But yeah. So to all of the fans out there mm-hmm. that emailed you and said, hey, get these people to do like Cosmere or something. Yeah. They actually spent, I've got a friend who works in animation. Yeah. They spent five years Mm-hmm. storyboarding that one season, those nine oh, episodes. Oh, interesting. Five years. I do know that the budget is astronomical for animation mm-hmm. to the point that it's not good business sense, but instead storytelling passion that is leading yeah. them to make this, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody can compete with this budget-wise because it's an irresponsible amount of money. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating. To spend on an animated project in this way. Yeah, um, it's kind of on par with Game of Thrones and the new Rings of Power yeah. and, you know, two-figure millions yes, per, per episode. episode. Yeah, which for animation, I mean, I we looked it up like Attack on Titan had like animation budget of like 300000 for episode or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so... What they've announced for Arcane was $10 million per episode, and mm-hmm. I have heard that it is probably closer to fifteen. So... Yeah, so there is that aspect of there is nobody out there who's going to give me $15 million an episode to make an animated Stormlight, <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah. So you would have to be okay with a budget of three to 500000 per episode and it looking not as good as Arcane, mm-hmm. or we go live action and then we can get the 10 to $20 million per episode budget. Yeah. So 
I'm wondering, though, mm-hmm. if the success of Arcane is going to convince anyone, hey, we can it might. blow the lid off of our animation budget. Yeah, totally possible. Because, to be fair, mm-hmm. it is legitimately gorgeous. Not only very pretty to look at, but innovative in the way that it uses different kinds of animation and you know powder stuff. And you get so much more of this in the second half with powder okay. and with echo. I'm interested in that because I will say it looked gorgeous, but I was expecting from the way people talked about it, it to be stylized far beyond what I saw. And so when it was cell shaded, I could not tell the difference between it stylistically and whatnot and mm-hmm. another good animation project. Yeah. Granted, we're talking like Disney level things like this, but everyone talked about how mind-blowing the animation here is. Mm-hmm. And I was just one of those laymen saying, yeah, looks good. Yeah, this looks great. A lot of what people rave about is later in the series, and I can't remember okay. which episode it is, there is a specific fight mm-hmm. that is similar to the one in Hero, where okay. they do the yeah. whole thing mentally before they do it in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do that, and it's... It's really cool. It's really stylized and and well, innovative and awesome. Well, I will look forward so, to that. Yeah. That excites me because I was expecting more of that. And again, I didn't dislike what I got, but I basically got Borderlands, but not in engine <laughs> rendering instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was fine with that. The music was the thing that stuck out to me. The music was excellent. Yeah. The sound direction, all of the sound design and the use of music, it is hard to mix a fantasy property with contemporary music in a way that doesn't feel like Tangerine Dream is doing your score. Mm -hmm. And they did a very good job of that. They did. I do think it's funny that now Imagine Dragons is canonically part of the League of Legends universe. Like the members of Imagine Dragons appeared as characters. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. In the background of some of the scenes. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's way cool. (laughs) So... How many of these things, like, is the little boy who was, like, the tinker boy, is he a character? Is yeah. he a hero? Okay. His name is Echo. So I was right on him. Mm-hmm. Are the two pretty boys who find magic a couple, canonically? They, they are not a couple. Okay. They are characters, though. Okay, they are characters. Jason, I can tell Victor, that. Victor. Okay. They are characters. They the, sure look like it was implying that they were going to be a couple. They are good friends. Okay. Jace actually hooks up with a different person later on. Okay. Who is not yet a character, and, and I assume will never be one. Okay. Not yet a hero, you mean, They're, or not yet? Not yet a playable character in the game. Okay. There is a couple... I mean, we said no spoilers. Don't We've already me, told that people are going to die. There is an actual couple of two characters that show up. Yeah. Okay. But I won't say anything else about it. All right. We have met them both at this point, but we have to wait for the time jump for them to be adults. I was waiting for the opening credit sequence has featured very prominently some woman soldier who looks like she is in the, you know, you've got the upper city or in the lower city, mm-hmm. right? I don't remember yeah. what they're called, but you've got that kind of... Piltover um, and Zahn. Oh, wow. Well, okay. <laughs> you've got Mythgar and you've got, right? Is that what's called? Final Fantasy VII? Uh, I don't remember. Is it Mythgar and whatever's underneath it? You've got the mm-hmm. the rich people on top. And then the the poor grungy people who live down 
Under, in the Undercity. Yes, that's a, yeah. it's, it's a very well-worn fantasy trope because rich people think they're above the poor people. Oh, look, we'll make a they fantasy story where they're physically them. above them. It's it's yeah. totally fine. Well, and but it's it weird is, because yeah. they're physically above, but there's also like a bridge that yeah. you cross. So I they're next to. that out. I could never get the geography straight in my head yeah. either. But regardless, looks like a soldier from up there. And then in the opening credits, I'm like, who is this? Who is this? And I'm like, oh. At the end, I'm like, aha. Other Mm -hmm. sister gets taken by the guard guy and saved slash rescued. So my guess is that she's now... You know, she's one of the, uh, the, the oh, soldiers. Oh, she's the, the soldier? That she's the soldier that's in the front. That's my guess. Okay. And that it's the sisters. You've got the one sister on the bad guy's team who's now without the dad figure keeping everything together. They're ruling the underworld and there is no check upon their ambitions and powers. And she's fallen in with them. And the other one has learned that, hey, all these people on the up above are very ignorant, but not categorically evil. And I've got a good job in the soldiers. And now I'm trapped between two worlds. And also my sister is maybe trying to blow up all the upper people. Okay. That's what I expect to happen. I could totally be wrong because I'm basing it off of one image. (laughs) A single image. And my knowledge there's a time jump, which I could be wrong. It could be episode four and still in the past. (laughs) Still in the past. Doubt it, but yes. I I won't give you spoilers. Mm -hmm. I will say that you are wrong, but you are very close. Mm. Very, Mm. very close. Like, it's delightful to me to see your good storytelling chops pulling so many of the elements out of this mm-hmm. sight unseen even while being wrong about some of the key things but yeah i'm really interested in what happens with the magic dudes because mm-hmm. theirs was the b story right they're the shalon and yasna figure out what's going on behind the scenes <laughs> magic sort of world mm-hmm. building which they did very well didn't give them too much time not a little not you know just made me empathize just enough but they haven't had a story yet They've had a discovery. And so I'm really curious at how they play into all of this. Mm. I will say the one thing that visually really struck me is when magic guy got saved with his mom and the visuals on the guy using the magic. So he gets Mm -hmm. picked out of the snow by weird, crazy magic man. Yeah. And teleported between worlds by weird, crazy magic man. And that moment had just a really fantastic visual. Mm -hmm. Weird, crazy magic man never comes back. Mm. Though he is a character from the game. Oh, is he? Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. You know who else is a character from the game? Mm. The professor. The uh, little short I, furry I knew, dude. I knew he was because yeah. you... Like, that character is... He's so weird and yes. out of left field, and his yes. name is Heimerdinger. Yes. They you, wouldn't have put that in on purpose if it wasn't already part of the world. Yes. He did add some <laughs> nice contrast, though my favorite of that whole thing is weird, maybe a live robot man on the council, which I assume that there's a race of robot people who are part of the League of Legends lore and things like that. He was really cool. You would think so. (laughs) No. The council is basically full of awesome ideas that everyone wants to get into the game because they aren't yet. That's cool. Like the woman with the huge collar that's like clicking around like Uh gears. She's nobody. We have no idea who she is. The weird robot guy, no idea where he comes from. That's not a race from this Oh, okay. Okay. Like, you put that on to indicate to me, this is the Jedi Council. There's a whole race of these things. 
that's what that says. Yeah, but at the same time, mm-hmm. most of the people in the Jedi Council were just random cantina puppets as well, yes, right? Yes, they were, but like, they but they evoke mm-hmm. that there's a whole culture as- yeah. associated with them. They were just random, but... Yeah, more world building was done in the course of Arcane than in all 10 years of game prior. Okay. And so I think there's a lot of really cool things that... I would like to see appear mm-hmm. and that everyone's kind of hoping we get to see more of. Doesn't League of Legends have something like 7,000 different playable heroes? And- it's not that big. It's like 160, 170. Okay. But that's still grotesque compared mm-hmm. to most other yeah. games' character like, You want to pick your roster. You, you pick from yeah. the roster to play Street Fighter. I remember when we got to having like 50 characters, we're like, this is just so many. Have, mm-hmm. And 170? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Capcom versus mm-hmm. Marble, and there's yeah. like 50. Yeah, Overwatch has something like 33. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But also pretty daunting. But tell me, did you know much about the League of Legends lore before this show aired? I knew some. I mean, the... The thing is, the game itself doesn't really reflect the lore in any appreciable way. Right? Okay, I didn't because know that. Because it's a mobile battle arena, mm-hmm. and you get in, and it's five people per team yep. who don't necessarily have or need any reason to be fighting each other, mm-hmm. and it's not really presented as, this is the sport they play in Runeterra. Okay. It's just, this is the thing where the characters fight, and they all have backstories, right? and they all have... In fact, some of them incredibly involved deep backstories. Mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee, actually, that somebody out there is like, no, there absolutely is this race of robot people because they've read much more of the lore than I have. Okay. But if there is one, it's not present enough. Yeah. Okay, because I'm curious what the fandom's take on this is, right? Like, you finally got a show, and it's really excellent. I know... Having seen people do things like this before and been involved, mm-hmm. but you, you've got a couple choices. And your big decision point is, do we take what we have and adapt it best we can, or do we throw it out the window and try to hit the spirit of it making a new canon? Right. Yeah. This is your MCU versus Game of Thrones approach. MCU is mm-hmm. like, all out the window, we're starting from scratch using... The originals Yeah, we will be inspired by the comics. We will include things like the Civil War, but we're not going to do them the same way. Yep, we're just going to do whatever it takes. Or Game of Thrones, it's like, we're just going to try to film this as close to what we have as possible. And the the great thing about League of Legends as an intellectual property Mm -hmm. is that because the game is so obviously divorced from plot Mm -hmm. that you can tell stories without contradicting anything the game has done. So they will create what a lot of the fans are looking for now is, oh, go up to Ionia, which is kind of their Asian inspired culture, and tell stories about those characters. Go over to Bilgewater, which okay. is their kind of so this is a rowdy planet. pirate place. Not everybody's in the mm-hmm. the same yeah. same city. Lots okay. of different cities, lots of different areas, you know, which follows a lot of known tropes. They've got yep. the Asian inspired, they've yep. got the Egyptian inspired, they've got all these the different Magic places. The gathering approach to yeah, world building. Exactly. Right. And so I'm pretty sure that season two is a continuation of this Piltover Zon story, but fans are all begging at this point. You know, give us the pirate one. Give us mm-hmm. the Shadow Isles. Give us these other things. My compliments to the narrative team. 
Yeah. They should feel very good about this. It was excellent. They did a wonderful job. I'm looking forward to seeing the other episodes. We'll probably do another one, probably after I've seen all six of the rest, where we'll talk about it. Come back and do a, a whole spoiler cast. Yes. Where we talk about all the storytelling things they did well and things that we would have done differently. Yep. But my hat is off to them. Excellent job. People who were telling me, Brandon, you need to watch this. <laughs> we're correct. Awesome. How's that, Ben? Ben. <laughs>